Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 73. Again, asking questions and being kind and compassionate is just going to be the most beautiful thing. Because when you seek to understand, I think a lot of times people are seeking to be understood more than they are seeking to understand. And if you are seeking to understand, there's a lot you can learn about your partner or your kids, or even just in observing, depending on how old your kid is, if they're younger and don't know these things about themselves, just observing and seeing what's happening and bringing kindness and curiosity can change the whole lens of everything instead of bringing anger and frustration to the table. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD, or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hey, my ADHD family. Welcome to another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. I am Yakini. So today I wanted to talk with someone who does not have ADHD and really how, you know, those who may not understand ADHD or may not believe in it, how can those people connect with those who you know, their brain process differently and they just do things differently. How can the neurotypical support neurodivergence? So I'm really excited about having her. Hey, Jess, welcome. How are you? Great. And yourself? I'm doing fantastic. We got a lot of snow here. It was pretty bad. I mean, we got like 12 to 18 inches. (laughs) Yeah, it was absolutely insane. (laughs) So other than that, we're doing good. Please tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, I'm Jess DeBose and I am an ADHD coach who does not have ADHD, Um, but I seem to collect people with ADHD in my life and I love them so much. A little bit of my journey, I have been coaching my whole life without knowing that's what I was doing. And even my friends in high school would ask me if I was going to school to be a counselor. And I was like, no, I don't want to get paid to do that. So I went into music education. And one of my classes was a special needs class. And my professor did a ADHD simulation for us. And it was really, really powerful because prior to the simulation, all I knew about ADHD was like hyperactive and can't pay attention. Those are like the only things I knew about ADHD at that point. And so we went through this simulation and what was happening was, you know, he was going through his slides and teaching us like a normal teaching day. But then all these other things kept happening. There was like a vacuum going on in the hallway. Someone kept on turning the lights on and off. Someone had an Aflac duck and kept on like making it go off in the middle of class. And then like someone would go throw their trash away. And then he kept going faster and faster and faster through the slides. And I did not understand what was going on. So I like threw my pen on the table and put my arms slack. And I was like, I can not learn. And then he stopped and he said, people with ADHD, it's not that they can't pay attention. It's that they pay attention to everything. And my mind was like blown in that moment. And ever since then, I have been like, anytime I was able to connect with someone with ADHD was, who was open to talking about it, I would just pick their brain about like, well, tell me a little bit more about this and how, like just trying to learn how our brains are so different. Cause I was so fascinated by it. And it was really a lot of fun. And ever since then, I've just been collecting people with ADHD. <laughs> 
Oh, that is hilarious. I have another friend of mine who says the same thing. She's like, I just collect a bunch of different women. <laughs> so it's so much fun. So I really like that simulation because you're right. That is a really good representation of how I sat when I was in college and we would sit in an auditorium and there would be, you know, 50 other students in there. And test taking time was the worst for me because people like to tap their pen. And like you said, people would go up and, you know, go out and go to the bathroom and come back in. And I could not focus. It was just driving me crazy. But at the same time, I had no clue why I was paying attention to everything. And I did not know about ADHD even myself. So I can really understand one, connecting to that simulation, but two, not even knowing why I was responding the way I was responding, why I was getting so frustrated. Because to your point, he made sure it was really clear. You know, he made sure that you guys were annoyed, <laughs> right? And I pick up everything though. I mean, literally I pick up everything. So I really like that simulation. So that is really, really good. All right. So why did you decide to help others with ADHD? I know you collect them, but why did you even move forward to helping others with ADHD? Yeah. So for a few years now, I had some of my ADHD friends were like, well, when are you going to do your workshop on ADHD? Because as much as I've been collecting people with ADHD in my life, I have helped a lot of people learn more about their own ADHD, even though I didn't have it because I was married to somebody who had ADHD. And, you know, we were together for five years. And so you learn a lot about a person when you live with them and are married to them. Um, and though we're not married anymore, we're still friends. I learned a lot about ADHD and I'm, I'm really observant and I love to learn how people learn and and so because of that and my teacher brain and all these different things, I'm able to, to help teach people about their own ADHD when they're not very aware of it. Or, and so I kept getting asked about that. And I had a lot of imposter syndrome at first, like, how am I supposed to teach yeah. people who have ADHD when I don't have it myself? And one of my friends who's a nurse put it very simply to me. She's like, just because I don't have a broken arm doesn't mean I can't treat your broken arm. And I was like, oh. Right. Okay. <laughs> so I jumped in full time over uh, this summer into helping people with ADHD and I have loved every minute of it. That is so cool. That is so cool. So what do you think are just a couple of lessons that you have learned since you've gone on your journey? Man, that's a great question. So that whole concept of it's not that you can't pay attention as you pay attention to everything is huge mm -hmm. because for a person who's neurotypical like myself, I have the ability to turn things off. So I don't hear the fridge that's running in the background or the people in the hallway mm -hmm. or see my earrings dangle and yours dangle. Like I'm not noticing any of that. I'm just paying attention to our conversation, mm -hmm. but I know you are paying attention to all of those things right. and who else knows whatever else is going on in your house or outside of your house. And so being aware of that is really helpful. That also helped me in my marriage with eye contact, particularly for my ex-husband. He actually did way better listening to me when he was not looking at me. And that took a long time for me to understand because our society values eye contact. It's like you're being respectful if you're like looking at a person when they're talking. But for him, like it's a lot, it's sensory overload almost. And so if he could channel some of his energy playing a game on his phone or doing something else while I'm talking, he was actually able to hear what I was saying way more than just trying to look at me. 
that's a huge thing. And I know that's really important with kids too. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I used to have trouble with interviews because of that exact reason, because that's what they teach you. You, It shows more strength if you are looking right in their face and you're answering the questions. And I realized that sometimes I cannot focus on you while I'm processing. I just can't. And so in future interviews, once I got much older and got over that fear, I just, I answer the questions and I may be looking here, but as soon as they start talking, you know, there's certain parts of, you know, as I, as I'm going through a question, then I try to go back and look at them, but at least I allow myself to go and process, right? And every once in a while, I'll tell somebody in their interview, that's just how I process. So, you know, excuse me if I'm not looking directly at you, but when I'm listening, I'm like this, right? I'm, I'm really engaged. So it's probably the opposite. Now, my daughter, my daughter is the type of person where as she is listening, she's not looking at you, right? And I know she's listening and she hears everything, but that eye contact is overwhelming. So she just kind of looks off and just, she just listens. I will say on my ADHD journey, because it really started off with them, it took me a little bit to get used to that because again, I hadn't connected the dots that we were all ADHD at that time. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a minute to get used to it. But once I understood and she looks off and I talk, I'll ask her questions. She can be, you know, she can answer them perfectly. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that that's a really good thing that I, I just remember having so much difficulty. I could not sit there and look in someone's eyes and then you're, you're processing in your head. I am just not going to get this job because I cannot (laughs) sit here and look in this person's eyes. Right. And I'm paying attention. I'm just processing. So anyways, I like that too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I find too, that people with ADHD generally, this is super general, but it's either your super visual learner or super auditory learner. And so it's either you're, you are going to listen to audiobooks or you're going to read books. There's no really in between about that. And so just being cognizant of that when you're talking, like learning about maybe your kiddo or whoever you're talking to with ADHD is like, okay, are they a visual person? Can they, and they need to read the thing instead of me reading it to them, or do they need to be read too? And that's a huge difference. So like, again, my ex-husband is very much an auditory learner. And so, but I'm not, I'm actually a very visual learner. I cannot listen to audiobooks. I need, like people will try to leave, read me like long articles or text messages. I'm like, can you just send it to me? Cause I'm not going to retain anything you're saying. Right mm, that's really interesting. So for those who don't get it and don't understand it and don't believe in ADHD, but they are working with kids or they're around kids that do have ADHD and they see there's differences. What type of tips could you give to that type of audience? Yeah. Well, it's just like, if you're working with people, you know, that people operate differently and have different preferences and need different things. And so people with ADHD is the same thing. It's like, you get to ask questions and find out And it depends on how old the kid is. Some kids are able to articulate these things and some just don't know the things about them. But timers are key. Having a visual Mm -hmm. timer, because, you know, whether you believe in ADHD or not, some people have no concept of time whatsoever. 
So as me, a neurotypical person, I know when it's been about five minutes or an hour, but a person with ADHD or a, a neurodivergent brain, they don't have concept of time. And so if you're saying, okay, and you have 15 minutes to do this homework assignment, like the kiddo is just going to do whatever they want to do the whole time and not really be doing the homework. Mm -hmm. But if you give them a visual timer, most of the time, again, they'll probably not do anything for like 10 minutes, but they know the deadline. And if they can visually see when the deadline is in the last two minutes, they're going to do whatever they were supposed to be doing and it'll be done. But unless they have that cue, there's no concept of time. And so it, that's really important. Mm -hmm. Any other examples? I mean, because I know this is such a struggle. I've heard growing up, you know, people call other people bad kids or they are just different than me. Why do you act differently? You know, I've heard a lot of those things. I was one of those that really masked a lot because I didn't want to be seen differently, but I saw other kids picked on. I'm not saying I wasn't picked on sometimes, but what other examples can you share? Because it can be very painful when somebody doesn't get it and does not have compassion. Yeah. So having that compassion is really huge. And if a person with ADHD does not respond to your text or your email or whatever, it does not mean they forgot about you or don't care about you. That is not what that means. And they more times out of than not, if you just flag it and like send them an emoji or whatever to like help them remember they forgot to respond to you, that's going to be imperative, but it does not mean they don't care about you. And I think there's that gets it twisted because again, in our society, we're like, oh my gosh, you left me unread or you didn't respond to my texture. And there's 7 million ways to communicate at this point. And so again, that's another sensory overload for somebody with ADHD is like, all of the notifications on the phone or like the different ways that you can communicate. And so it's kind of like this out of sight, out of mind thing. And that's another what reason, especially with, with kids, when there's things that are out, there's a reason that things are out and not put away because if things are put away, there's like this out of sight, out of mind thing. It's like, if it's not out, it does not exist. Yeah. Yeah. And so being kind and cautious, like with children, when they are, have all these things out in their room or in the classroom, like maybe their desk is just full of everything. But if everything is put away, they will not know that it exists. And so maybe there are ways to teach the kids how to have a presentable looking desk with everything mm. out, mm -hmm. but so that it's vision, so they can still see it and help them be able to be organized in that way. But it doesn't necessarily have to be, if it's put away, it, it doesn't exist. I love that. That's good. That's really, really good. Cause I see that a lot with my kids. I, I already know that if they have homework, what we do is as soon as they get home, they put out what they need to do. And the rest of it stays in their backpack for that exact reason. When my children got older, especially starting with my daughter, she would forget things and it would be due tomorrow. And she would just, it, it was like, it never existed. And so we realized by her putting everything out, it was always a trigger. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. The red folder. I got to do my math, right? For example. And so that does make a huge difference. So I like that too. So there are many people who, like we said, do not understand it, but they want to. 
What resources or what is out there or how can they educate themselves about ADHD? Yeah, there are so many resources. One of my favorite YouTube channels is called How to ADHD. Jessica McCabe is brilliant at educating people about their own ADHD, but people who don't have ADHD, it's really tangible. You might have to slow the video down because she talks real fast. If you're a neurotypical person, it might be a little fast for you. So, but there's that option on YouTube to slow videos down if you need to. But even just watching her, like what is ADHD video? It's like four minutes. That explains so much in such a short amount of time. And I play that video for people. It's on my website because that video is so powerful. And so there's all kinds of things on YouTube. Um, If you have TikTok on your phone, just start scrolling through hashtag ADHD TikTok. And you will learn all kinds of things about people with ADHD or even in Instagram. If you just type in hashtag ADHD and start looking at all of the different things, you will learn a lot about ADHD through that. And I think that's actually my, from my experience, a lot of um, women in general are finding out they have ADHD because they're seeing these videos. And so that's a great way. But if you, the other way too, is just ask questions. If you know somebody in your life who has ADHD, Just start to ask them questions with genuine curiosity, not with judgment, not with trying to figure it out or like fix them or anything, just like genuine curiosity. One of, I have a book, I wrote a book called I Don't Hate My Ex-Husband. And one of the chapters is called Not Wrong, Just Different. And my ex-husband, it would drive me crazy the way that he decided to unload the dishwasher because I have German blood in me and I'm super efficient. If I'm going to empty the dishwasher, it's going to get done in two minutes or whatever. But Morris, my ex-husband would would empty it and it would take him like all day to empty the dishwasher. And so the dishwasher would be open and all the cabinets would be open and Morris would be nowhere to be found. And I'm like, what? What? Why? <laughs> what is happening? Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> what is happening here? So I I don't know when I decided like because for me I used to be like super passive aggressive and I'd just be pissed off about it. But eventually I just asked him why he did that, and he was like, "Well, I just like to empty the dishwasher that way. Like I'm gonna put a few things away, go walk off and do something else, and when I come back, I'll see that it's open and I'll put more stuff away. Because again, it's that whole." out of sight, out of mind. If the dishwasher's closed, it doesn't exist. And it's boring. boring. Like if you are bored, you're not, it's like, it's boring. So he's trying to figure out a way to make it fun because he knows it needs to be done. (laughs) And so once I started to understand that, I'm like, okay, I, we do this very differently. Like we do everything differently. We're very different people, but it doesn't make it wrong. It's just different. And if I want it to be done and I need it to be done now, then I can just do it myself. But just having that concept of like, it's not wrong. It's just different. That's huge. And so if you can go in with that mentality and then ask questions and help better understand someone with ADHD may or may not understand why they do the thing, unless you ask the question, they'll actually start to be like, oh, Sometimes they're super aware of it. Sometimes they're like, they'll be aware of it in the moment that you ask. Cause I remember too, my ex roommate, I had a roommate who we hadn't, there were like no spoons in the drawer ever. I'm like, where are all the spoons? Well, she loves to drink tea and you know, coffee, tea. So there'd be like dirty spoons all over the kitchen. And then there's probably some in her room and probably in the bathroom. And so I was like, (laughs) 
And I, it was reminded me of my ex-husband. So I, I actually saw the dirty spoon on the counter and I sent him a picture of it and he just laughed because he knew exactly why I was doing that. And so I told my roommate, I was like, I'm just going to buy some more spoons because there's never any spoons in the drawer. But once I made her aware of it, then she was like, oh, I didn't even know your experience was there's no spoons because for her, there are spoons everywhere. She's just going to pick up the spoon nearest to her and use it. But I don't know what that spoon was used for, so I'm not going to use it. But for her, it's like she knows (laughs) she used it. So it's fine. (laughs) That is awesome, Jess. (laughs) So many people can relate to that. That is so funny because I am that person. It takes me about four or five hours to do the dishes (laughs) because I literally go do so many things in between. And the funny thing is, you know, as you were talking about the dishwasher, I'm looking at the, and I have a dishwasher. So I'm like, why don't I just put in the dishwasher? But um, (laughs) I'll look at that water and it really bugs me. And I'm like, okay, let me get this done. And then I get sidetracked and I go back (laughs) and go do something else. Oh shoot. I forgot to do X, right? Let me go do that right now. And then it's an hour later. (laughs) So I so understand it. (laughs) That is funny. And the key is, though, I'm more patient with my kids now. Mm. And so, for example, taking out the trash and I say, okay, you know, to my daughter, go take out the trash. And I already know that it's going to take her a minute. Right. So I'm already processing the fact that it's going to take her a minute. So I say, you know, go take out the trash and it'll be, you know, 30, 40 minutes later. And she's still doing, you know, on her phone or doing her homework or whatever it may be. And I'll say, hey, you forgot to take out the trash. Go put your coat on. And she's like, oh, that's right. And then she'll go put her coat on and then go take out the trash, right? But it just made me understand and realize I do the same thing. <laughs> why can I get, why, why would I get mad at someone else when I do the exact same thing? So for you, like you said, you live with someone. And now that you understand ADHD, it was a lot easier to understand your roommate, Right where if you didn't have that experience, it would have really, really driven you crazy. (laughs) So I love that. I love that. Yes. And there's going to be a lot more compassion when you start to understand. Yeah. And so it's like, to me, it was funny that there weren't spoons. A past version of me would have been very angry that there were no spoons. And so making light and fun people with ADHD are some of the most funny people I know anyways, and they just laugh at themselves anyways. So bringing humor to the table is going to make it even more fun. And it's like just lovely. That's awesome. So to close it up, is there anything that we may have forgotten? Any other tips to neurotypicals? Anything that you want to share just to close it out? Yeah. Again, asking questions and being kind and compassionate is just going to be the most beautiful thing. Because when you seek to understand I think a lot of times people are seeking to be understood more than they are seeking to understand. And if you are seeking to understand, there's a lot you can learn about your partner or your kids, or even just in observing, depending on how old your kid is, if they're younger and don't know these things about themselves, just observing and seeing what's happening and bringing kindness and curiosity can change the whole lens of everything instead of bringing anger and frustration to the table. Yeah, I love that. So if they have any more questions for you, can you let them know how to get a hold of you? Yeah, the best way is Instagram. I'm at Coaching with Jess. I also have a website, justabose.com with some resources on it. And I would love to connect with you. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Jess, for coming on. That was hilarious. <laughs>
It's always funny. Yeah, absolutely. It's always funny to see people, you know, see ADHD from a different view, (laughs) but it's also a more positive view. So like you said, you said that, you know, you, you thought it was funny when the past you would have been angry. So connecting those dots, I mean, that that's just a beautiful thing. So thank you. Thank you for coming on. You're so welcome. All right. So everyone that closes up another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. So that is all for today and have a wonderful day. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, Jess. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.